Hey ladies and gents and welcome to episode 41 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast, the first episode of 2017. Uh, first time in a couple of weeks joining us, uh, Jordan. How's it going, Jordan? Welcome back. I am back from the dead. I uh, I got pretty sick there at the end of 2016. Uh, you can probably still hear it in my voice, but uh, yeah, I haven't been that sick in a long time, so it, it really kind of screwed me up and um, unfortunately I missed several podcasts so i am glad to be back and ready to rock we're glad to have you back as always uh dom too how's it going dom it's going good for me jordan i, I would recommend some of those dank yarnum nugs <laughs> to get you over your sickness uh, yeah so as always let's hop into uh you know you know the drill what we've been playing uh, it was a huge holiday break um so See if I can get, go over everything I played. So, uh, played episode one and two of Walking Dead's A New Frontier. It's fantastic. Yes, uh, you did. Next week, we're more than likely going to be having a spoiler-filled discussion about the first two episodes, so tune into that. I want to save all my opinions for that. Uh, I've also been playing through Mass Effect 2 over the holiday break. I finished my playthrough of the first Ooh. Mass Effect. Uh, and so, I've started up Mass Effect 2, which is my favorite game of all time. So, I'm enjoying that. Um, you know, just taking it slow, taking it easy. Uh, just I, I think I recently just picked up Morden and uh, Grunt. Um, so if you're familiar with Mass Effect 2, I'm very early in the game, but uh, having fun nonetheless. It's funny playing those games back to back and noticing the jump in quality. Uh, it, it's insane. But uh, so yeah. yeah, loving Mass Effect 2 as always. It's just one of those games I'm not playing. I'm not committed to it, but every time I have some spare time or I'm listening to a podcast, I jump into that. Um, just because I'm getting ready, obviously, for Mass Effect Andromeda. I played all five episodes of Telltale Batman. Um, once Jordan's uh, finished that, we'll have a discussion on that as well. Very interesting. Um, I didn't have any performance issues on Xbox. Um, a lot of people have had a lot of performance issues. So maybe I'm just lucky or maybe it runs worse on PlayStation. Who knows? I don't. Um, but yeah, liked Batman. We'll have a discussion for that uh, coming soon. Um, also, Hitman Go, I've been playing. I picked that up. I've heard people talk a bunch about the Go games. I actually have it on Windows, uh, on Windows 10. I don't have it on Xbox. I don't even think it's available on Xbox. I'm not too sure, but I've been playing that. Uh, it's a fun game. I like puzzle games. I like strategy games. Um, I'm probably going to end up picking up Lara Croft and Deus Ex Go after I finish this because I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it's one of those games. It's funny. The Go games are kind of like Telltale in the sense of like... If it's a property you enjoy enough, you're willing to jump in because the, the actual game is good and they do the game well. So it's just finding what franchise speaks to you, right? So uh, Hitman Go is really awesome because I've loved the Hitman games. Uh, I've also been playing tons of Overwatch. The holiday event was awesome. Tons of cool Christmas skins. There's a rumor that there's going to be a Chinese New Year event, which is cool. They recently added mm. a new map to the game. Um, and Overwatch League is going to be starting uh, this year. The primary esports league for Overwatch where each city has its own team so it's different than a lot of esports leagues where they're private organizations these are actually it's going to be like the Houston somethings or the uh, Memphis somethings or the Los Angeles somethings you know all over the world as well so it's going to be interesting um, I love Overwatch also been playing Rocket League I picked it up on sale so I own it on PC I've put in maybe 60 plus hours on PC eventually it was I, I wanted to get it on Xbox um, and it was on sale, so I picked it up. I picked up that. I picked up GTA Five, and I picked up the first Banner Saga because I have Banner Saga too. So I'm probably going to be getting into Banner Saga. But uh, yeah, just been playing some Rocket League, having fun. That game's a blast. 
weird weird little side note i did not notice they got super microtransaction-y in rocket league i was never like this mm. and maybe it was a recent update but they started doing the CSGO thing where you earn crates but in order to open the crate you have to buy keys with real money which is super weird Jeez. and i don't like that i like the guys at psionics i like rocket mm. league it's just a weird thing that they added in um so yeah i thought that was super weird that could be a discussion for another day but Rocket League was great, and then I started playing on Xbox. I was like, "What's this crate thing? Do I can I open it?" And it's like, "You have you don't have any keys. Buy some keys." It was super weird. I did not like that one bit. It really turned me off. Um, but yeah, I've been talking for a bit, so that's everything I played over the holiday break and a couple other things. But it's whatever. So what about you guys? So um, for some reason, 2016 and I uh, just decided. That it wasn't wasn't a real big gaming year for me. Um, I don't know why, but I ended uh, 2016 on kind of another gaming hiatus. Uh, played uh, Battlefront because I picked up the season pass. So um, been playing a bunch of uh, the Rogue One DLC, and then of course uh, Death Star. I'm actually really really enjoying the Death Star stuff. Um, so I've been playing that. Um, and then I think I've played the first four episodes, or maybe it's just the first three of, uh, Telltale Batman, and, um, I picked up a lot of games, got a lot of games for Christmas, but, um, I've been real sick and, uh, just haven't felt like doing much, so, um, I haven't played a whole lot of video games over the break and, um, while I was off the podcast, um, but of course, surprise, surprise, I've been reading plenty of stuff. Um, I read, uh, just finished, uh, William Gibson's Neuromancer, which is like, um, a cyberpunk novel that is, uh, essentially credited with creating the cyberpunk genre. Um, so it was really cool and, uh, a bit of a difficult read at parts, um, where, um, it's kind of a stream of conscience stream of consciousness uh way of writing that he has and it can be a little bit clunky at times um but it was a great book nonetheless i'm glad i finished it and uh real quick jordan uh, do you think that um do you think cd project red's going to draw inspiration from that book for cyberpunk 2077 oh absolutely yeah 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 because um cyberpunk 2077 is based off a game like a board game but um and I don't know too much about the original board game, but I'm sure that the game itself took inspiration from this book. Because, like I said, this is kind of the godfather of cyberpunk fiction. So um, I'm sure we'll see tons of that in that game. And it's been um, getting me excited for that game. I've been thinking about it a lot uh, because of that. Um, so there's that. And um, been reading some Star Wars Old Republic novels. I've um, been reading about Darth Revan and um, watched the cutscenes from uh, KOTOR 1 because I finally decided I probably just wasn't going to finish that game. And i um, glad I did because it was a really cool Star Wars story and I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so that works out. And uh, yeah, um, like I said, just been reading a bunch, caught up on all my Star Wars comics. Um, so yeah, that's it. Awesome. Dom, you seem to have a long list of games. Yeah. <clears throat> I do. Uh, but before we get to any of the games, there are two movies 
I watched. I think you guys might have some Rogue input One? on. The first. Well, yes, Rogue One. You guys yes, watched it too, yes. right? I don't like we. We could talk about it for hours. The movie was so damn good. I, I just can't even. I liked it better the second time. I, I was a little bit disappointed the first time, but uh, I, I enjoyed it the second time. I think it's a good movie. It starts a little slow, and it kind of you know is building up. Yeah. But like the second half was like the, the second half of that movie. I was just like mouth agape like oh and then the last like five ten minutes we're just like just bliss yeah. it was like star wars fan service movie. i loved it <laughs> yeah it was great um but you'll, you guys will like this next one more i finally watched uh captain Ooh, america civil war geez. it's interesting Netflix. i want i'm interested to hear um, what you have to say considering you have no context for every other movie <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no so i mean like this is an awesome movie you guys weren't wrong um the the central plot i don't know kind of it it wasn't great to me um and then like the actual villain was just kind of like ho hum like all right but that's it it's so much outweighed by like how great all the characters are like spider-man ant-man like and the way they all like interact is just phenomenal that like i don't even care about any any plot issues i might have a lot of which are probably because i don't have any context like you said and I don't know a lot about what's going on. Um, so I'm not going to hold that against it. But it, yeah, the movie's awesome. Spider-Man is terrific. Like, that, that was no joke. Like, everyone who said that Spider-Man stole the show, he pretty much did. I just wish he was in it more. Because Captain America, to me, was just, I don't know, kind of lame. And it, I don't know. His whole his whole thing, and then the Winter Soldier guy, all that was just kind of like, yeah, that's fine. I just didn't care too much. But, you know, maybe if I had seen every movie leading up, I'd be a little more invested yeah, in that stuff. But. Yeah, so really like that's it. good. Uh, as far sure, as video awesome. games, you have a long list. Let's get to these. I want to hear everything you played. So I also played the first two episodes of A New Frontier. Um, yep, we'll save we'll save most of it for the, the spoiler cast. We'll call it next week or whenever we get to it. But it's awesome. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I finished up the Old Hunters DLC in Bloodborne. Holy crap! Did it kick my ass over and over? But it felt good to finally beat every boss. Well, every boss except for the optional guy, Lawrence, the first vicar. Son of a bitch. I'm going to get back to him <laughs> one day. But I had to set it down because I, I literally had like, I think, 40 attempts in a row at this guy. I, I felt like like I was, you know, going psycho, just trying over and over, like getting so close each time. And I just can't do it. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. It was like banging my head in the wall over and over. Just can't figure it out. Um, let's see. Next on the list, Kingdoms of Amalur: Reckoning. <clears throat> Picked that up at the Steam sale, five bucks. This game is fantastic. It's older. It's a last gen game. You know, it's not the prettiest thing, but the art style and and that stuff is really cool. And then the combat is just so good. So much fun to play that game. The story is almost completely ho hum. I don't even really pay attention to it. I skip through most of the dialogue anyway because it's just kind of bland. But I played it. Played that for a couple hours and really enjoying that too on PC. So, um, other than that, been playing more Skyrim Remastered as well. Pretty much all on the Vita, because why not Skyrim on the Vita, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great, you know, because uh, I can do that while Emily's watching, you know, Sex in the City or whatever <laughs> it is. Gilmore Lucky Girls you. was the God. big, uh, yeah, marathon through like eight seasons of that show. Jesus anyway. Christ. Um, also played uh, 
through completion uh, Bioshock 1, like the original Ooh, remaster. Have you ever finished it? I actually, I had started that game like three or four different times and gotten like halfway through. I had never until now actually beaten it completely. It was one of those like, why haven't I ever done Congrats. this? Like, I love the game every time I played it. And so I finally was just like, you know what? This is happening now. This is happening today. And that game is absolutely a masterpiece like everyone says. Then I also so started up Infinite. Yeah. So I just skipped over Bioshock 2. Um, I wanted to go to Infinite and play through that. I, I did. I played through Infinite uh, once before. I really like this game. It's different, and I understand why a lot of people kind of have complaints about it who are big fans of Bioshock 1, but I still like it for what it is. Um, plus, I wanted a bit of a change of scenery before going back to Bioshock 2, which I probably won't even touch. I just want to play that Minerva's Den DLC that I never got to before. And I don't so. think you have to play Bioshock 2 to play Minerva's Den. I think it's, you can play it by itself, can't you? I that's the assumption I'm under. I'll awesome. find you out. Awesome. Get a big break. Uh, I I need to get back to. Play. Yeah. I have a Bioshock, the first Bioshock playthrough going, and I think I'm like six hours in. I need to get back to that. Um, One other thing happened. Oh, you got an amiibo. This happened. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. First amiibo. Oh. Cherry's pop. It was it was bound to happen. The, uh, Ocarina it was of bound Time. To <laughs> yeah. They finally they finally went up for sale on Amazon, so I had to I, I saw one. the Wall Which of Ouija one, one was like for five bucks. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just asking you which one that was. Which amiibo yeah, did you get? Yeah, it was the uh, Ocarina, Ocarina, the of, Ocarina time. of Time Link one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Where he's just kind of standing there playing his little Ocarina, traveling between <laughs> times. That thing was tempting yeah. you, I remember, for a while, and then you finally got around to picking it up on the sale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only two I have are the Toon Link and uh, uh, Twilight Princess one. Link. With uh, he's like kind of almost jumping. I want to get the Shovel Knight one. I don't own any, but I really want the Shovel Knight one really bad. Ooh. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, so that's everything we've been playing. That's uh, everything. So we're gonna actually hop into the news here. First bit of news, huge news for me. I was super excited about this. This dropped a couple of days ago from the day we're recording this. Uh, Via the official Mass Effect website, Aaron Flynn, who's the general manager of Bioware, uh, wrote that uh, Mass Effect Andromeda is going to be dropping March 21st, 2017. This isn't a surprise if you've been keeping up on all the leaks and rumors regarding Mass Effect Andromeda. About a couple of months ago, maybe early November, I would say, uh, there was that leak regarding the art book um, on Amazon, and it stated that it was coming out March 21st to coincide with the release of the game. And people are like, oh, this outed the, the game. But then, you know, PSX happened, a lot of other events happened, and we didn't hear anything about the release date. Uh, so gamers were kind of worried that maybe it's getting delayed. People still might speculate that it might get delayed. Who, who knows? Um, but yeah, so we have an official release date. We have Tuesday, March 21st um, for uh, the U.S., North America, rather, and March 23rd for Europe, which I think is weird. Uh, a lot of stuff releases worldwide nowadays, so it's really weird that there's a two-day separation there. Um, but I'm excited. He goes on to talk about how Mass Effect Andromeda is, um, you know, going to be an interesting step for the franchise and stuff like that. So uh, I'm super excited about the release date. What about you guys? What are your thoughts on um, March 21st being the day we can possibly play this? Hopefully. First of all, it's not getting delayed. Come on. <laughs> it's two months away. Like, that would be ridiculous. Um, I, I envisioned it would get announced any time now for, like, May and then get delayed into the fall. But they... They slapped me right across the face with that prediction. <laughs> um, it, it all feels odd, though. It just kind of, like, comes out in a blog post. 
Well, before before we go forward, let me let me let me read this for you. This last piece of this blog entry might explain something for you. Um, So over this holiday break, this is uh, Aaron Flynn's words. Over this holiday break, developers at BioWare took home a version of the game in what we call the Holiday Build. This is a long-standing studio tradition that goes back to the early days of the original Mass Effect. Many load up a PC or a console, go home to play it as much as possible at their leisure. Coming back from holiday, the feedback has been great. Getting the endorsement from members of our studio, whom of many played, uh, whom many of whom played many key roles in the original trilogy, was definitely a key factor in helping us lock in on the date. So maybe they didn't give a release date because they weren't sure that it was in a, a you know a state to release. And over this holiday break, all of these people who are key parts of the mass effect trilogy got to play and said yeah it's it's good it's polished you know well as polished as it can be at man that point. that's crazy so it's almost like they thought i was right and they didn't think it was going to make it for march 21st and then they you know the the leadership anyway and so that's why they never set a date and then you know i guess after all that wow that's that's interesting that they put all that information out there too you don't expect to hear you know those kind of details but yeah, i think they were cool. nervous to announce a release date because they were afraid that it wasn't ready and they didn't want to announce a release date and then get it delayed yeah and i think them having the um the feedback and like the support and endorsement from the people who've worked on the other three games saying like no it's good we just need a couple you know a little bit more polish and it's it's good to go it's fine um so i think that's why they all of a sudden announced the release date because they weren't sure and I know some people might speculate you're announcing the release date a little too late, but on the opposite end of that, people could complain that they announced it too early and then it gets delayed, you know? So I think they were doing the best they could of, like, being worried enough that it might get delayed. Um, so I think this is the earliest they felt comfortable announcing the release date. So what do you feel, Jordan? I know you have some some thoughts on I this. think, yeah, I think I've said it before, you know, I feel like, They've botched a lot of the uh, reveals and <clears throat> just the general uh, road to release. It's clear that they've um, had some issues and that they've had uh, um, some things that they've changed um, over the course of time, which happens in game development, but it seems like this has been a particularly rocky situation. So um, at this point, I'm um, pretty hopeful that it's going to come out this date because it'd be weird to announce this date so close and then delay it. But um, at this point, I'm really just hoping it's a good game because I'm honestly going to be worried about it until I'm playing it. Yeah, I I have the utmost confidence just from everybody involved that I don't think it'll be any less than a good game. Um, But I really have high expectations that it's going to be a great game. And we'll see. Um, I think another thing here that's interesting is, um, you know, uh, Mass Effect was a huge driving force for the longest time for Bioware. Now Bioware is working on some Star Wars games, and those are going to be the forefront of Bioware's, um, you know, thoughts. Like, they're, they're worrying about those because a Star Wars game will sell if it's good, right? Even if it's not good, it's a Star Wars game. So um, I think it's, it's going to be interesting now that Mass Effect isn't Bioware's number one thing. Because uh, obviously yeah. Mass Effect was more popular to more people than Dragon Age was, and now Mass Effect I think dropped down to number two, Dragon Age number three, and now the Star Wars properties are number one, obviously because it's Star Wars. So um, I think this is also a lot of this is reactionary towards the feelings they got on Mass Effect 3's ending and all of that stuff. And I think 
They would rather yeah. be safe than sorry. And though it does come off weird that they're doing gameplay reveals and stuff weird, I think that they're just trying to be extra safe as opposed to being too bullish, you know? So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. I hope it comes out March 30, uh, 31st, 21st. Um, hopefully it doesn't get delayed. But like we've stated before, delays aren't necessarily a bad thing. They suck for gamers, and it's bad messaging and bad communicating. But no game's ever been worse for getting delayed. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, next up, uh, we're going to be talking about Nintendo Switch. Shocker. Um, as of recording this, the Nintendo Switch event is a week away, and we're going to get the reveal of the games we have planned for us. Um, this isn't actually in the news story, just something I want to say. There's an, a report stating now that uh, it's looking like Breath of the Wild will be a launch game. There were previous reports saying that it might miss the launch window and it might actually be later on after the Switch release. Uh, there's new reports now saying that that was wrong, that Breath of the Wild is more than likely going to be a launch title. So, uh, good news there, Dom, for you. Um, but the actual news story we're going to get into here comes by Polygon, Allegro Frank writes, Nintendo promises in-depth look at first Switch games on January 13th. There's not much else to the article, um, so what they're going to do is they're going to have a Treehouse live stream um, the day after the Nintendo Switch press conference to get an in-depth look at all the games they announce, um, probably all of the launch titles and games coming out. Um, and we can talk about this. Obviously, it's not too much to talk about them having a live stream. What I'm interested with you guys is do you think that the primary focus or the in-depth look as they're calling it for the Switch games on January 13th, do you think it's only going to be the games that launch or do you think they're going to give little snippets of the year to come for Switch? You know, the biggest thing with Nintendo is people are afraid that it's not going to have third-party support, that there isn't a good catalog of games to warrant you purchasing this, you know, where games are consistently coming out for the device. Um, with them mixing handheld and console, do you think that they're going to give you, you know, uh, a year in review or a year in advance here's switch here's what's coming and here's a little look at everything so what do you guys think how do you guys think they're going to handle it oh they're going to announce several yeah. games right they're going to confirm probably a lot of what we've been hearing about some of the wii u games that are getting ported um and then they're going to you know give us a zelda date presumably and and then um, announce this new mario game and then yeah i think you're going to hear a lot about what's in the pipeline over the next year because that's what's going to sell this thing right like yeah, I'm going to buy this now, and there's these couple games that are coming out right away that are great. And then also, they got stuff planned all year. So I think they, I mean, it would be wise of them to start marketing all that immediately. Uh, well, we already event. have some games that we can talk about real quick. We have the exclusive that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Dom, the one about the kid and the dog. Um, yep. There's a rumor that Mother 3 is going to come to the U.S. for the first time on the Switch as an exclusive, which is crazy. Um, there's another report that Assassin's Creed, the new one that's coming out next year that's based in Egypt, is going to come out day and date on the Switch with the other with the other consoles, which is crazy. Um, we have Breath of the Wild. So we have a lot in play here. Jordan, how do you think they're going to handle this in-depth look? What are we getting exactly? Um... I, to be honest, I really have no idea just because of the fact that I'm still not sure if we're looking at new Nintendo or old Nintendo. And, you know, we may be in a transitional phase, um, so it may be a little bit of both. <clears throat> but, you know, they just keep going back and forth on these things where I think they're they're making great decisions. But then, you know, they make a great decision in the NAS Classic. But then there's not nearly enough stock, and the controller cord's too short, and it's just like, man, they're just they're they're still not um, completely on the ball. So um, if if anything, I know that they're going to show off their exclusive games, you know, their Zeldas and their Mario's, um, maybe even a Metroid. 
Um, but I'm still skeptical on whether or not we're going to be seeing that third-party support. Yeah, I think you have every right to do so. I mean, their history speaks for itself. A lot of people are optimistic in nature, saying that maybe this is a new Nintendo, which we can give them the benefit of the doubt that that's, that might be the case. But like you said, more recently, they did show us a case of Nintendo being Nintendo with the NES Classic. So uh, that creating that artificial demand, as they always do. Um, it, it's interesting because for me, I never really felt that there was an artificial demand on their handhelds. It's always been on their consoles, it seems like. Um, yeah. And Weird. now that they're mixing both, I it's going to be interesting how that falls into place, right? So um, we'll sure. see. I think that this is smart because it's one thing to have an event where you announce everything like, here's the Switch, here's everything coming to it. But then to also back that up with an event the following day being like, if you want to see more of the games, here, we'll show you more of the games. And I think that's them doubling mm. down on like, we need the Switch to succeed, we want the Switch to succeed. So um, I'm very interested, uh, I'm very excited, uh, we're definitely going to be talking about the Switch It'll probably be the main focus of our podcast next week. So uh, let's move on to the next story here because we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about with Switch next week. Um, the last story uh, comes by Polygon as well. Uh, Michael McWhorter writes, PlayStation 4 sales surpassed 53 million. Uncharted 4 moves 8.7 million. Obviously, the story's there in the title. Um, you know, it's not surprising PlayStation 4 um, past 53 million. I think the numbers for Uncharted 4 are more impressive personally um, because yeah. earlier it was reported that it sold uh, between 5 and 5.9 un- uh, million units and seeing that it's above 8 is crazy. Um, it's not surprising. Uncharted is PlayStation. Um, I, I'm not surprised at the attach rate. Um, it also states that Sony sold more than 6.2 million PlayStation 4 consoles. So that's including the PS4 Pro as well as the PS4. Um, it's very interesting. Um, nowhere in this article does it really talk about the sales numbers for PlayStation VR, which obviously Sony is keeping close to the vest considering it's not meeting sales expectations. Um, but yeah, what do you guys have to say about you know them passing 53 million PS4s and the success of Uncharted 4 and the actual numbers? Do you think, do you think the Uncharted uh, numbers have, like, are they including bundles? I think they're inflated, yeah. It's still impressive, yeah. but I think they're inflated. Yeah. Uh, I think it's super impressive. Uh, it's not surprising though. I think those are two different things. My expectations aren't they aren't shocked by this. It's uncharted, um, but it's good to see the actual number, right? Uh, and I, I'd be more interested to see if they'd ever reveal those PSVR numbers because um, though there will be a future for Uncharted, PlayStation is having new franchises or different IP going to be the forefront now, right? Um, obviously, Uncharted 4, A Thief's End was the end of Drake's story as we know it. And um, they're going to have to find other things to rely on. You know, Last of Us 2 isn't going to be out for a while. Death Stranding isn't going to be out for a while. Um, they're trying to hit on Horizon Zero Dawn. Let's see how that hits. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued by this. Uh, Dom, you love Uncharted 4. Are you surprised this hold that many, that many uh, units? Yeah, dude, I was shocked at that number. Um, you are right, though. I mean, because how many consoles did they sell over the last two months? Like six point two million. million or so? Yeah, exactly. And for the last two months, what's the like? What's the only PlayStation Four you can buy? It's the two hundred fifty dollar one that's bundled with yeah. Uncharted Four. So you got to imagine at least five million of those sales were for that unit with that game, and those all add into. Uh, that 8.7 number or whatever it was for Uncharted copies. Because I remember earlier this year, just a few months ago, they were, I 
they reported you know around four million or so for Uncharted Four. So they definitely that game definitely got a boost from from that bundle. Yeah. So it's still impressive, though. Yeah, it's it's insane. So Sony actually boasted that 50.4 million PS4 games were sold both at retail and digitally during that same holiday period. So you assume if they include the bundle, that means that, what is that, one-fifth? Is that right, Math? One, two, three, four. One-fourth of every game sold for PS4 was Uncharted 4? That's crazy. That's right. insane. Um, and yeah, it, it is bundled, but that's how we got a lot of its numbers, you know, with Wii Sports and such. So either way, whether it's bundled yeah. or not, it's still impressive. Um, the 53 million isn't as impressive to me because, I mean, that number is not... A lot of people think it's going to reach some astronomical numbers with PS4. There's a lot... Yeah, there's a taper. lot of PS4s in the market already. And uh, I know some people might upgrade to PS4 Pro, but that number I don't think is going to skyrocket anytime soon, right? Like, there's already an, a lot yeah. of PS4s in the market. So um, it is surprising to see that they sold 6.2 million in the holiday when there's so many out there. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to Sony. Um, you made a lot of money. <laughs> that's pretty much all we can say on yeah. the matter. Uh, PlayStation did, at least. Yeah, that's true. I don't know about Sony. Uh, well, via PlayStation, Sony made money, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so let's get right into it. Uh, we're going to be talking about January's video games. So this isn't every video game in the month of January. Ooh. I basically rounded up everything that quote-unquote mattered to most gamers and a couple of sleeper indie hits that I found. So this is completely my list of all the games in January. If I'm missing some, sorry. There's some games that are like quote-unquote slated for January but don't have a release date or like our quarter one that could possibly be late January games, but I don't know if they'd be announced this late, right? Um, so... Not too many games, and we'll talk about them anyways. So the first game up is Pit People. This is the fourth game from Behemoth. If you're not familiar with Behemoth, uh, they're based out of San Diego, California. Uh, they've made a lot of Xbox exclusives. They made Alien Hominid, which is beloved. Castle, Crash, uh, Castle Crashers, which was part of the huge indie movement on Xbox 360. Uh, their most recent game was Battle Block Theater, which was a hilarious platform game that had hilarious humor. It's one of their biggest things is they have a weird offbeat sense of humor and like a cartoon style to their games. Um, Pit People actually isn't necessarily releasing, but on January 13th, it's coming to early access via PC and Xbox One, and it'll be out later this year. So if you're looking for a cool, fun, arcade uh, Xbox exclusive, um, you can get into the early access for Pit People, or you can wait till the end of the year, but January 13th is your opportunity to do so, and Behemoth makes really solid games. People have loved all of the games they've made, so this is just another one. Um, do you guys Are you guys familiar with Behemoth? Have you played any of their games? Hominid, Castle Crashers, Battle Block Theater? I've played... I played Castle Crashers. It's a cool game. Um, I don't know about this one if it's going to be for me, but uh, I, I definitely enjoy that studio. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's actually a, it's really interesting. I'm not sure if this game's going to have uh, couch co-op, but it is one of the games that you can play by yourself. You can play with another person, or you can play with up to four people. Like they're really into getting people together and just having a fun time. Um, so it's interesting to see how pit people, uh, you know comes out and how it's received by people uh next up on the list uh this comes out january 20th to ps4 uh got delayed gravity rush 2 um so yeah i don't have much to say other than it's being developed by uh sony interactive entertainment's japan studio and project siren um you're familiar with gravity rush jordan so are you excited for this game's release oh absolutely um you know the delay sucked but uh, they're giving away free DLC, story DLC, 
uh, because of it. And um, they've also got an anime, I think, prequel coming out or already on YouTube. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about this game. I love the first game. Um, you guys know how much I love superhero games, and that's basically what it is. And uh, third-person open worlds are also kind of my shit. So um, I love the combat and the traversal. Once you get a hang of, of uh, basically, you know, uh, free-falling with the gravity powers, um, it really gets fun. And I think um, I haven't played the remastered version on PS4. I've only played Gravity Rush on Vita. Uh, but I'm really excited to play it on PS4 and see, um, you know, what they bring to that console and, and, um, the way that, uh, they bring the open world because, I mean, I was really impressed with the open world they were able to create, uh, seamless open world they were able to create on the Vita, so, I mean... Imagining what they could do on PS4 is is really exciting. Also, uh, my quick opinion on this: if you if you've never played the first Gravity Rush, but this game looks interesting to you, and you want to get it, try to not wait for sale. Try to get this as soon as possible because this is one of those games that's going to be completely dictated. Its future of this franchise is going to be dictated on sales. If this game doesn't sell well, yeah. it probably will be the end of Gravity Rush, unfortunately. So if you really support this game and you really love it and you want to see another Gravity Rush. Definitely try to get it as soon as possible to show them that this is a franchise you care about. So, just my Good opinion. Point, Jared. Yeah. Now, uh, they they have a demo for the Vita version, Jordan. I and I tried that out a while back, and all that I really remember uh, was I did not like the controls at all. Like you actually had to tilt the Vita around um, to kind of orient your direction. I, I don't know. I probably should have put more time into it, and then, like you said, once you get the hang of it, you know. But. I don't know. It just at the time it just wasn't it wasn't worth the investment for me. But maybe it's probably not maybe, a great uh, demo game. You know, it's yeah. probably a better game to like get the feel for with the tutorials and like going through it step by step. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Gravity Rush Two is really exciting if you're a fan of the series or not. It's a it's an interesting game. It's a it comes out in a lull period where there's not too many crazy games coming out, so it might be something you want to pick yeah. up. Uh, next up, we have one of the heavy hitters of the early year, one of the big boys, coming out January 24th, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Uh, this is obviously Resident Evil. Capcom's return to Resident Evil. A lot of people feel this is re- the return to Resident Evil in more ways than just a new game coming out back to its roots, um, making it a survival horror game. It's first person. Um, the whole game's going to be playable from front to back in PSVR, which will be huge for PSVR to see how that sticks with people and whether they can play an experience that long in it um it's a multi-platform release uh i i like resident evil it's not a series i necessarily love because i'm not that invested but this is a game that's intriguing to me because last the i only played four and five (laughs) which is weird because if those the only two you play where four was the last kind of true resident evil and five was really the departure so i got to see both ends of it um I have a friend who's a huge Resident Evil fan, and he's so excited for this game. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, how, how well this sells, because it is going back to survival horror, and it's going to be marketed as a horror game and not so much as a shooter. So uh, what do you guys think? Is Resident Evil 7 set to succeed? Is it going to be a, a big release? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, people have been upset with the last couple of releases, and um, this is... 
clearly a response to that. They're getting what the fans want, and uh, maybe the fans don't want first person, but I think it's going to work out, and um, I think it's going to be a good game. I really do. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm glad they're at least. Uh, I'm glad they're at least making a new game finally, and not remastering something else. Uh, that seems to be all they've been doing, and they're openly committed to that, which is bizarre. So hopefully, this sells well, and they realize, oh, you know, we can make more money if we make new original games. Yeah. But if it doesn't, then they're just going to go back to their bread and butter of repackaging the same old shit. Yeah, it's so, going to be interesting. We'll this, uh, it's. I think people are excited, and uh, you know. It's it, the game came out of nowhere, kind of, and people are super excited now. And we'll see how it does. Um, also coming out January twenty fourth uh, is Tales of Berseria. Uh, this actually came out a long nice. time ago in Japan. Um, well, not a long time ago, but August, um, and it's finally coming to North America on January twenty fourth. Uh, you know, I've never played the Tales games. I have a friend who loves them, absolutely loves them. Interesting thing here is I, I think the other Tales games have come to PC, but this actually comes out three days later on Microsoft Windows. So it comes out the 24th on PS4 and the 27th on uh, PC. So if you don't have a PS4 but you're interested in Tales, definitely check it out. Uh, it's a long-running series. It's I think Tales yeah. of Berseria is the 16th entry. Uh, so it's up there with uh, Final Fantasy as far as tons of games. I believe the last game a lot of people didn't think was that great, and this one a lot of people anticipate to be a return to form. Um, so it's, you know, Bandai Namco trying it out again with Tales. Uh, they're going to keep making them as long as people keep buying them. So if you're interested in JRPGs, definitely check out Tales of Berseria. Um, do you guys have any opinions on it? I, I'm pretty sure neither of you are Tales guys, right? I've actually played some Tales. Um, I enjoy it, and I think... Um... <clears throat> I'll definitely try this one out, but it's probably going to be a uh, wait for sale. Yeah, I like the uh, I like the art style of the games. I think they are really nice. Uh, yeah, they really strike anime. So um, yeah, it's it's very interesting. I have a friend who always talks about the Tales games, and he loves them. So um, if you're interested in JRPGs, definitely check it out. Um, also, January twenty fourth, you want to talk about a long span between releases? Yakuza Zero finally hits the states. Uh, this game originally nice. launched uh, in Japan on March twelfth of twenty fifteen. It's going to be coming out uh, worldwide on January twenty fourth for PS four. Um, it's the prequel to Yakuza. Um, I believe Yakuza Six is coming out next year, or it's slated for twenty eighteen. So um, I've never played the Yakuza games. I'm not even really familiar with them. Are you, Jordan? Um, just a little bit. I haven't played them, but they're uh, supposedly pretty funny, pretty uh, enjoyable um, Japanese mobster type games. Okay, they're very on the nose too, right? Like they know what they are. So, oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This is Sega. Sega has a couple of big games coming out this year. Uh, you, Sega. I don't think this is necessarily big, but I think people who love Yakuza are going to pick up this game because it finally came over. People wait for these Japanese releases. When they come out, they attack them like hounds. So I think people are super stoked. Um, the next game is a game that probably not a lot of people know about. Um, so this game is called Memoranda. It's coming out January 25th to PC. I found this game to be super interesting when I was looking through all the games coming out this month. So essentially what Memoranda is, is it's a 2D point-and-click adventure game, but it's based on short stories by a, a very renowned Japanese author, Haruki Murakami. And the aesthetic of the game and the art style is essentially, what I wrote down here, is a mix of Courage the Cowardly Dog and James and the Giant Peach. 
Um, <laughs> so it's a mix of those two aesthetics into one. It's very creepy. Um, it's very beautiful. It's very well done. The art is gorgeous. Um, and it's very, it looks like a, it's a kickstarted game. So obviously so many people are interested in it that they reach their goal. And, uh, I know 2d point and click games aren't for everybody, but if you're into those type of games and it looks interesting to you, definitely give it a chance because, uh, you know, it looks interesting and indie games, uh, deserve your support if you're interested in them, you know, so it looked interesting. So, uh, the last game here, also, uh, another indie game. Uh, this comes to PS4 exclusively, um, and this game, so it's weird. I was looking at this game, and most of the places said it was coming out January 31st, which I think is 100% a placeholder date, and so this might not hit January, um, but this game looks super interesting. It's like a it's like a, a weird, isometric action-adventure game, um, and I'll read you a little uh, piece here. Divide is a character-driven science fiction action-adventure game with a modern take on isometric adventures of the past. Search for clues that reveal new insight into the story, interact with fully realized characters, and combat enemies by hacking out of sight or launching a direct assault. Um, the aesthetic is a lot of grays and blues. Uh, think about uh, Alienation from Housemark. Um, and it definitely is in the isometric um, plane. You, if, you, if you know what an isometric game looks like, it's in that perspective. Um, it looks very interesting. Um, like I said, I love indie games. Um, so you have a couple indie games here. You have one for PC and Memoranda. You have one for PS4 in Divide. And you have early access for Pit People. Um, so there's plenty of games here. Um, does Divide sound interesting to you, Jordan? I know you, you like your indie PlayStation games. Yeah, well, and the sci-fi, and um, I, I don't play a ton of isometric games, even though there aren't many, but um, everything you're saying sounds interesting to me. Yeah, it's by, the, the studio is great. The studio's name is Exploding Tuba Studios. It's the first game they ever made. <laughs> I love the name. Uh, game developers are, yeah, yeah. are great at making very funny names. Um yeah, so that's it for all of the games for January. If you're interested, um, definitely check them out. Uh, I'll probably more than likely have links into the description if you want to check them out. Uh, yeah, so January looks like it's going to be an interesting uh, month for video games. Usually the, the you know the year starts up very slow as things are coming into its own, but we have some good games for the month of January, I would say. What do you guys think? Yeah, support that Gravity Rush. Support that Gravity Rush. Uh, yeah, support indie games. Buy more indie games. Um, we're going to be hopping to our next topic here. Uh, what do you have for us, uh, Dom? We are going to talk about arcades. <laughs> Statement. <laughs> okay. Um, so I guess, first of all, we'll just, you know, roundtable your experience in arcades. And then uh, go around again. Is, is that ever going to be a a widely popular thing ever again in our lifetimes or the next me personally i never got really super into arcades ever i mean uh, aside from you know friends birthday parties and stuff like that or you know going to kokomo's uh type places and just putting a couple couple quarters into a uh, rampage or nfl blitz uh and that kind of stuff i didn't ever really put any serious time into any arcades i think I think it was probably like just a generation or mid, you know, a half a generation before me that it was bigger. Um, Cause you know, the, I play games at home. Like why wouldn't you? Right. <clears throat> so that's, 
that's also why I wanted to bring this up, though, because I'm curious if you what experience you guys have uh, comparatively. Because like, what am I missing, or like, what what do you guys think? Um, Arcades. So I, I guess I'll go first. I have a little bit of experience. We're obviously on the younger side, so it's not like we grew up right. being able to go to all these arcades and having a great time. Um, the small town I grew up in it had one arcade machine. It was at the Dairy Queen, and it was an OG uh, um, Super Mario game. So it was you ah. going up the ladders, killing Donkey Kong, obviously. Um, and it was my earliest, you know, kind of experience with an arcade cabinet, and I loved it. I really understood early on the point of them. It wasn't to beat the game. It was to give it all your money. So I kind of got turned off, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had a couple of other experiences growing up with arcade cabinets, uh, time splitters, obviously, um, those on-rail shooters. I don't remember a lot of their names, but there was a, like a lot of like tacky ones. Time that just... crisis. Time crisis. House Sorry, not dead. time splitters. Um, uh, what else? Yeah, uh, cruising USA. A lot of the racing game cabinets as oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm ooh. I'm not. There was a Star Wars game that was yeah. superb. I beat that game at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> great story. Sorry to interrupt, Jared, but um, <laughs> I have a great story at Chuck E. Cheese. I started playing that Star Wars game, got through all of my coins, and got through most of the game itself. And this kid had come up and started watching me, and he was so into it that when I would die, since I had lost all my coins, he just started giving me his, and eventually I, awesome. just, I beat the game. And he was so excited about, like, seeing the game to completion that he was just cool with like giving me all his coins that's awesome that's really cool yeah um yeah so i i have experience here and there i the thing is is that we're we're at the age where we don't have the nostalgia for arcade cabinets as much as a lot of other people do you know um i do have a personal dream though to make my own custom arcade cabinets for games i love i'm huge into 2d Ooh. platformers like if i can make my own custom arcade cabinet for Shovel Knight and have it in my house, that would be super awesome. Oh, um, that'd be so cool. Yeah, it'd be super awesome. Like, uh, I think that if if a game, the problem too is like a lot of arcade cabinets are set up for very simple basic games, right? And if there's a way that I could, there is probably a way if I can learn how to customize a cabinet to have more than the basic level of buttons, and they're still there and they're still accessible. Um, but I like. I would love a DuckTales cabinet. I think that'd be super cool. I love the OG DuckTales game and the remaster that recently came out like five years ago, I think. Um, yeah, so my my love of arcades isn't necessarily for the cabinets that have existed forever. It's the idea of taking all the 2D platformers I love and making my own arcade cabinets. I think that'd be cool. Um, yeah, I have I think some things to say about if arcades will ever return, but I want to hear what Jordan's uh, arcade experience is besides getting shovel free money to beat a game for a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so of course. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you know, growing up going to Chuck E. Cheese and um, the local movie theater up until just now when they renovated had an arcade that I loved playing and, uh, you know, waiting for movies. And, um, um, oh, what was it? The, uh, crap, what's that pizza chain that has the, uh, the pizza buffet? CC's. CC's Pizza. Uh, ah, yeah. Yeah, CC's Pizza. We used to have a local one <laughs> that, uh, turned out in high school it got shut down because it was a drug operation. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, but when I was a kid, I guess, I don't know if they were selling drugs when I was a kid, but, um, there was, you know, some arcade cabinets in the back there, and 
um, you know, just various restaurants and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, I just remember growing up as a kid loving, anytime I saw a cabinet, loving it. I remember um, when I was very, very young, the first time I ever saw an arcade cabinet, um, I was with my dad and my brother on this camping trip, and we walked up to the, um, you know, the visitor center or whatever where the, the park rangers were, and in their office, we looked through the window and you could see an original Mrs. Pac-Man machine. And my dad kind of described to me what it was and how it worked. And I was just so intrigued and thought it was so cool. So, um, mostly my memories are just growing up as a kid and throwing some coins in at a restaurant or whatever. But, um, nonetheless, I, I love arcade cabinets. I think they're cool. It is kind of sad that, um they've gone away but it makes sense you know the market demands what the market demands and of course the market doesn't want to keep spending money on these uh lose-lose situations when you can just go home and play you know buy the game once and play it as much as you want um when we were talking about this topic before the show i mentioned that we should do it because uh like i said i just finished reading that cyberpunk novel neuromancer and it's set in about the year 2035, um, so it's still even farther into the future. And they've got all this technology, you know, biotic implants and stuff like that. Um, but yet there's still arcades all over the place, and that's a really big part of the story. And, and it, it, it brings character into the, the future that is built in that book. Um, so I thought that was really interesting that the book was written in the 80s, and that is kind of an 80s outlook on the future of, oh, we're going to have all this technology, but, you know, arcades are still going to be a thing. But then I got to thinking about it, and it actually kind of makes sense because um, I've started realizing, you know, VR is so <laughs> I was gonna expensive. Say it. Yep. VR is, is, is so expensive, but then if you think about it, it'd be a lot cheaper if you were just paying for the time that you wanted to use it at a local spot. And so I could kind of see a resurgence maybe in the next few years where you get these like really high-end VR rigs that are way too expensive to have at home that would cost, you know, maybe $10,000 or something. But then, you know, if you have people just paying for it bit by bit at the arcade, then it would work out and it would be something that really you can't get at home. So you're willing to go and play it in public or whatever. So you're talking so about I a... I actually kind of see like a, a resurgence. You're talking about a, a V arcade. <laughs> Ah. Oh. Uh, as far as like the future of arcades, I I think as they were is obviously dead and gone and will never come back and it's super harsh and like straight to the point. But Jeez. you know, people have nostalgia for things. I've always thought about doing a Dave and Buster's, but for nostalgia and calling it like Nostalgia Factory. And essentially, it's a place where you can sit down and order food. But everything else there isn't necessarily like skee ball and stuff, but it's like arcade cabinets or uh, a setup to play like NES games or SNES games or uh, just different. Like the nostalgia factor, you go and it's just all about nostalgia, right? Um, and I think that'd be really interesting. Um, it, it's just the interesting thing is, is that, you know, the older generation are the ones who are super nostalgic for arcade cabinets. Usually the older a group of people or a demographic you're trying to target are the more expendable income they have. So it's really interesting that somebody hasn't full and away tried something on a more uh, widespread scale. There's a lot of pop-up shops and like local places that try to do the 
you know, the nostalgia area, right? Like, come to our place, it's all about nostalgia. But it's weird that a company hasn't tried the the wide mass appeal, you know, like a Dave & Buster's, yeah. um, because there's so much expendable income there just waiting to be taken from these people that want to play arcade cabinets again. And it's a weird way to look yeah. at it, like, a business way of, like, yeah, let them take your money, but it's just, from that perspective, it's weird that that hasn't been done. Because, to me, it's such a, oh, yeah, people would go into a place to play a bunch of arcade cabinets, but then you think about it, would they really? Because if they did, then the original ones wouldn't have died in the first place. So it's, uh, yeah. it's a very interesting idea. I like the idea of arcades, um, but it's, like you said, it's with the, the proliferation of technology and the way things have advanced, it's so archaic to put a quarter into a machine over and over again to play a game when you could just buy a game outright, go home and play it. So it's, it's interesting. Um, yeah. Shout out to uh, 2Bits. It's a bar here in Nashville. Um, where they have all these arcade cabinets and they've also got, you know, like PS4s and N64s and all that and uh, even board games. And so it's like you come and you eat and you drink and you, you play games. So it's a cool concept. Do you, re- do you remember in like McDonald's play places, they used to have like GameCube set up? Nope. Yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. That, that was bizarre. I, I forgot that that was a thing. You know, like they were behind glass and all that. And it was yeah. limited. It was like kind of demo-ish, like you know what accessibility you had. But just I, I just like remembered that that was a thing, and it's really bizarre to me now. But I want to jump back to really quick though and add because that was my uh, my answer as well, Jordan. Like VR, it's so perfect. It's so infinitely perfect. Yeah. Fit for arcades. Like the cost is pretty much too high for most people to want to get into it. Um, and then the setup. And the you know the cumbersome nature of it makes it perfect for you know an arcade because you pretty much have to if you want to have like a vibe at home you have to have a whole room set up just for that which who yeah. how many people can do that whereas in an arcade pretty much that room is there and it makes more sense to monetize it in that way like you come in and you rent it and you play around of whatever it is for yeah. just then it makes so much more sense than spending two grand to get a vibe and a PC and all and everything it just. Mm-hmm. It's so perfect. Um, it could happen, man. I could see it. And tomorrow I'm going to be taking out a small business loan to start this arcade. Yeah. <laughs> the arcade. Uh, the, yeah. the, oh, the interesting thing, too, is two things that lend itself to it are there's really short experiences now, so people don't have to spend a ton yeah. to get a full experience. Also, the non-game implications of having a place like that where you can rent out time for people to watch movies. You know? So yeah. it's really interesting. Um, I, I That's a very interesting thing I never thought about of, like, VR can be the new arcade, so that's a very, a very interesting way to look at it. And it's gonna be, I think those shops are gonna start popping up where it's like, hey, you want to play VR but you can't afford it? Come on down to JR's yeah. Art VRcade or something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think um, we're, I think we're all unanimous in the, uh, in that arcades as we knew them probably will never come back, but the VR kind of situation does lend itself towards a resurgence, which is gonna be interesting. Earlier, uh, at the beginning of the show, you said that you, when you originally played Bioshock, Dom, that you never finished it. Uh, Jordan, your topic kind of relates to that, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my topic is uh, finishing video games. Um, and a couple of years ago, there was a, I think it was at uh, GDC, they had a talk where these guys were presenting these statistics about how um, very few people actually finish the games that they start. Um on these modern consoles where you can see how much people are playing the game through the uh, internet connectivity. 
And it was really just staggering to see the results um, of how few people are actually finishing the games I play. And of course, you know, a movie is a lot easier to finish. It's a couple hours and you're done. Even a book is, is really only several hours and games can span, you know, 20, 40, sometimes even hundreds of hours. And so that's part of it, of course, is how long games take to complete. Um, but there's also something to be said for the fact that um, games really push back against you and you have to actually beat them to finish them. You have to overcome the challenges within the game. You know, reading a book or watching a movie, you're just interacting with it in the sense that you're watching the movie or reading the words on the page. Um, You've you clearly actually... never read a choose-your-own-adventure book. <laughs> but even there, you don't have to actually beat it. You know what I mean? You're just reading along, and it is a little bit more passive. So um, it's understandable that people don't finish as many games, but um, at the same time, I think it needs to be said that um, the way developers make the games is also a reason why people don't finish enough of them because there's a lot of artificial padding to make you feel like you're getting enough bang for your buck. Um, there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't need to be in games. Um, there's plenty of, you know, like you said with Mass Effect or uh, Dom, you mentioned Kingdoms of Amalur where there's just all this extra dialogue that doesn't really need to be there and doesn't really add that much to the experience. And so... Um, for me, I've actually, you know, I was talking about how I haven't, I didn't play as many games in 2016. I also didn't finish as many games just because of the fact that I'm not pressuring myself to anymore. I think, you know, between the three of us, we've probably beat hundreds of different games throughout our lifetime being the gamers that we are. And so I, there's nothing I need to prove to myself. You know, if I want to beat a video game, I know how to do that, but some of these games are just so long, I get my $60 worth or I get my my enjoyment out of it and I play it for 20 hours and, you know, I don't necessarily necessarily need to see the end. You know, sometimes the game's story doesn't matter, like, like a Just Cause or something like that where it's more about the gameplay and the fun of the open world or sometimes the story's non-existent and it's really just about the gameplay. Um, so I've just, like I said, I haven't been pressuring myself to finish games as much because if I get my money's worth and I get my enjoyment, like I said, I know I can beat a video game if I want to. And so, um, I don't feel like I need to finish games as much. Um, yeah, I see where you're coming from. I think I, the way I look at it personally, and it's the same way I judge movies, and this is just my own personal thing, so any, anybody's... You think you do whatever the hell they want. If I start something, unless I really, really do not like it, I'll finish it just because I feel like I need to in invest my time in it personally, right? So if I watch a movie, I have a friend who can catch a movie on TV that's halfway through, watch the, the half end of it, come back some other time and watch the first half of it whenever. I can't do that. I don't know. Some people do that. Yeah. I, if I'm going to watch a movie, I sit there, I can't have any distractions, no one bother me, let me take this hour to myself, pay attention to the movie, because I want to respect the craft, right? Same thing with the video game. Uh, and you might be a little mad at me, Jordan, because the only game I did not finish this year that I started, that I had never played before, is Outland. Quantum fucking Break. No, I, I finished Quantum Break. <laughs> I beat Quantum Break. It was in my game of the year. 
Um, oh, okay. So the only game I started that I didn't finish or even get more than an hour into was Outland, uh, the house mark game that was the games of the gold uh, for Xbox. Such a good game. I didn't like it. I thought the platforming was too floaty. Uh, I thought I just I didn't like it at all, man. <laughs> and I don't want to get I don't want to butcher yeah. the game. I just did not like it at all. And I wasn't going to sit there and play a game I didn't enjoy, um, which rarely happens. I have a, a wide net for games I like as and movies too. I liked Batman vs Superman. I don't think it was a great movie, but I liked it. Which is I'm in the minority on that, right? Um, but I just couldn't stand Outland. I didn't like it, so I stopped playing it. Um, I think a great thing now is that because indie indie developers are becoming such a huge thing and there's the top tier and the bottom tier and there's no really mid tier anymore there's a lot of games that are shorter two of my favorite games of last year were were shorter than a lord of the rings movie inside and virginia they were both short experiences and they're two of my favorite games of last year and i think that's a, a weird misconception with people too that aren't as involved as we are that a lot of people don't know that there's games that are that short that are experiences that are you know just shorter things to enjoy and I think a lot of times when people think about yeah. video games they're like oh and if I need to beat this game I need to put 12 hours into it which means I need to put two hours in every day but I only have five free hours after work and they're over here doing the math in their head right whereas if they paid attention more and they realized there's these games that I can enjoy and have a good time with that are one night half a night not even that much right um yeah I think also the big thing that helps with not finishing games and people might think that this is a weird way for the industry to go with all of these persistently online multiplayer games uh, and I'm not talking about the gear chasers or loot chasers like Destiny or Division, I'm talking more um, the the overwatches of the world where there's these multiplayer games where you can just hop in and play and then hop out you, ha- you don't have to commit any time to it you can just play it at your leisure and you don't feel pressure to finish it because there is nothing to finish, if that makes sense Yeah. and I think that helps too um, and I think it is up to each individual person. I don't judge people for not finishing video games. It's their prerogative. Like you said, we played video games for so long that a lot of us could probably play a video game for maybe 15% of it and understand the whole concept of the game, right? And have a great understanding yeah. of that game. Um, but we chose to finish the games because we like the story. We want to see it through, whatever our own um, prerogative is. Um, I like I said I have a commitment to finishing games just because that's how I feel I, I play games unless they're absolutely bad um, and uh, yeah I think that it's funny because a lot of people finish games early on and as they grow older they decide to not finish as many games I was the opposite when I was way younger I didn't finish any games I would just play them and have fun and then would never finish them and as I grew older I started wanting to complete games you know so um, that's my whole spiel on it. Interesting thing, too. I don't know if they do this on PlayStation. You could probably say yes or no. But on Xbox with the achievements, they give a percentage of who's uh, unlocked it. So you can see as f- when you go in far enough into a game and you get an achievement, it's like 2% of gamers have unlocked this. And it's like the, the, the fifth or sixth story mission. So it's like not even halfway through. You're like, wow, only 2% of people even made it this far? That's crazy. Uh, they do the same thing on PlayStation? That's crazy. It's it's just weird to see how many people don't finish games. Uh, I've blabbered so, so. But what do you have to they, say? They give you that percentage, and then they even put a word next to it. So the platinum trophies are always labeled like rare because only, you know, 0.3% of people who started the game have it. Okay. And they, you know, go up the scale with it. So that's always interesting to look at like because you can tell like, oh, 99% of people have this trophy – um, and it, that must mean like you get it for turning the game on. <laughs> yeah. Then it's, it's always interesting to see too. Like ninety nine is actually really high because there's always it's usually around like eighty or ninety percent of people like have the first trophy in a game, which means like people turned it on 
and started it, but didn't even get, you know, Pass the tutorial. 15, 20 minutes yeah. in. <laughs> right. It's like, well, what the heck? What's going on? Like, what do I do buy it? I guess. I don't know. It's just one of those bizarre things. How do, how um, do you handle completing games? I think I'm closer to you. So like, especially recently, I, I had this kind of like obsessive compulsive disorder type thing where I need to finish it. Um, and I even, and, it, and I can still feel it within me because I really want to get platinums, but it just, it's just not possible. It's not feasible. So like I, I just use some logic and just convince myself that, you know, I'm just going to suppress that desire to get the platinum. But so I will settle for just completing the main game. Um, and get a couple of trophies on the side along the way, um, with a few exceptions of uh, some games where I, I do plan on getting platinums eventually. But for the most part, yeah, I gotta kind of like suppress that need. But I still like just I feel a need to complete every game, even if I'm not liking it that much. I want to see it through to the end. Um, <clears throat> do you have to do that? Of course not. Um, you know they're not movies. Um, how many how many people do you know go to a movie? Uh, you know, see a movie at the theater or rent one. And then turn it off halfway through. Like, yeah, I don't really like this. Like that, you don't do that. It's just, there's less of a commitment. Even if, um, even if it's just a movie playing on TV, you're still. I feel if you've started it 20, 30 minutes in, you're way less likely to change the channel than you know a couple hours into a game. You're more likely to quit. So it's it's two very different mediums, and you can kind of see that play out. But I'm I'm super obsessed. With, like I have to finish games, especially because I'm so into Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Like there's a sense of like, yes, I've beaten every boss in this game. Like I've done everything. Haven't you know? Maybe I didn't find every last little collectible, and you know, gone and done the tedious, ridiculous shit you have to do to get trophies sometimes. But I beat every boss, and I played through the story to completion. And to me, there's like a sense that's part of the experience to me. Um, and that's okay. Like you, you might think I'm crazy um, that that's what I that I have so much concern about that. Like just play the game and enjoy it. But <clears throat> part of the enjoyment for me is that sense of completion. So, what well, teach their own? I it guess. is teach their own. I actually heard a story. It was on the internet, probably somewhere, of this person that had a friend that the way they they would buy a book at the store is they would read the back of the book, read the title, flip to the last page, and read the last paragraph of the book. And they would figure out if they wanted the book based on the last paragraph, which I thought was super weird. Um, and it's funny, like... Which, that doesn't even make sense. Like, half the time, the last paragraph wouldn't even tell you anything about exactly. it. Exactly. It's madness. It's a lunatic. Um, and it's funny that I think games are one of the only mediums in which people will feel comfortable dipping out if they're not enjoying it. You don't really see people yep. cutting out of a book 12 chapters in, you know? You, yeah. It's, I think it's a, a very unique thing to games. And, you know, you don't have to do what we do. Dom and I are crazy people. Jordan came to a realization. You can do whatever you want, whatever works for you, right? So, um, I think... I'm just living the good life over here. You guys are <laughs> working yourselves to the bone. Right. I've always been like that, though. I've been OCD in almost every aspect of my life. Uh, so it's a no surprise. I have such an issue with completing games too, and like the pressure to hundred percent a game. Or if I was a PlayStation guy, you know, platinum a game. It just you have to you have to. It's part of you it. You have to hush those Jerry, demons. I promise. <laughs> I promise. Nobody's gonna hurt you just because you don't finish a game. No, please, please, they're gonna come back. Um, but he, so Jordan, the worst thing, and, and this is what drives like <clears throat> like the gears in my head just you know spin like crazy. I want to pull my hair out when I see. When I'm looking through my trophy list and I see all the, you know, 30%, 40% of the trophies in each game completed, it drives me nuts. I'm constantly reminded that 
there's still some achievements out there that I haven't gotten. I just have. Just, I've played. So like I know I've played probably over a thousand games in my lifetime. You know, it's like your completion percentage isn't so, gonna overall is not gonna get any better no matter how many games you complete now. Is the way I look yeah, at it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I, my my PlayStation profile between PS3, Vita, and four with the trophies is like. There's so many games on that list that yeah they're like six percent, two percent trophies, and I'm just like, fucking man, I'm just not. I I can't play games that way, you know. Yeah, understandable. Um, speaking of finishing things, though, we're going to be finishing the this episode of the podcast. Uh, segue. Uh, so let's get into what we're going to be playing next week. Um, I mentioned earlier that I picked up Banner Saga and Banner. I ha- already had Banner Saga too, and I started it, but I was only like 15 minutes in. And I was like, do I just play Banner Saga? Because there's a crucial thing at the beginning of Banner Saga too that is dictated, I think, by decisions you make in the first one, and I don't want to spoil it yeah. for anybody. So I ended up picking up Banner Saga. I want. I'm going to be hopping into that. Um, and Banner Saga. I also still have Arkham Knight with all the DLC that I got for ten bucks, which was like an insane Black Friday deal. Whoa! It was Arkham Knight Jesus. plus all the DLC on that game. Um, so I need to hop into that as well. Which is a shit ton of DLC. Yeah, all the costumes, yeah. all the side challenge modes, all that. That's stuff. a whole lot of Batmobile. Yeah. Um, so I'm super <clears> excited <throat> to hop into that. Also going to be playing Mass Effect Two, as well, and um, probably some other stuff. Uh, Overwatch. I think something's happening in Overwatch this week, probably. And uh, playing some more Rocket League. Also, like I said, I bought GTA Five, and it's the third time I bought this game. I had it on 360. I got it for ten bucks wow. on Steam on one of the Steam sales. I was like GTA Five for ten bucks. It's crazy. And then uh, now I have it on on Xbox One, and it's just like a game to mess around with. I already beat GTA Five. Like I just like the multiplayer, and I just like like fiddling around. It's one of those games that's cool to turn on if you're like listening to a podcast or something, and you want to do something tactile, like just drive around Los Santos, you know. Um, so, uh, it's pretty much it. Not gonna be doing too much. Definitely starting, uh, starting Banner Saga. But other than that, it's wide open. What about you guys? Bioshock, Infinite. Finishing that up. Bioshock, Boom. Infinite. Infinite. That's that'll probably be it. <laughs> Did you play the DLC when it originally came out for Infinite? Nope. Got to do that too. Same. Burial at sea, bro. I need to That's play it too. Yeah. I might boot up Infinite just to play Burial at Sea. Now that I think about it, I might just do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do it. Because I never played that or Minerva's Den, so I, I think I'm just going to play those on their own uh, and see how that is. Yeah. Is that it? Just Bioshock Infinite? Only thing on the map? That's the only thing on the menu right now, yep. Hell yeah. And uh, Jordan, what about you? Latris on the Minjay. Um, New Frontier, right? So, so yeah, I'm going to be playing that because we're going to be talking about it next week, and I'll try to finish up Batman so we can talk about that as well. Hell yeah. Um, and then... Um, I am thinking I'm probably going to start up the old Mass Effect 2. Hell. It's about that yeah. time. Importing that save? You got two months. Yep, you got two months. I'm sorry, what? Are you importing that save? Oh, absolutely. Hell yeah. I can't wait. Yep. Keeping that femtrap. Um, so I'm going to do that. And... Um, oh, so... Um, shout out to this. I, uh, while I was sick over a break, I was supposed to go see the 15th anniversary of Spirited Away in theaters, and I was really excited for it, and then, uh, I just got so sick, I couldn't even go, um, but now they're gonna do the 15th anniversary of, uh, Princess Mononoke, which is another Studio Ghibli film that is 
really fucking good. Probably my favorite of theirs. Um, and so I'm going to get to see that in theaters um, on the 9th. So very excited about that. Hell yeah. Fun fact, I made a bunch of goals for myself, like personal goals as far as like professionally and all that stuff, but also like goals as far as like entertainment. So I made a list of uh, movies I need to watch. And one of my goals for this year is to watch all of the uh, Studio Ghibli films. Because I've only seen – I've, I've seen How's Moving Castle uh, – uh, what what's the name of it? The one with the girl in the broom. Uh, uh, Kiki's delivery, Kiki's delivery service. service, and uh, but uh, there's a bunch of them I want to see, obviously, because they're so great, and I just never got around to seeing them. So that's one of my yeah. goals. Um, dude, Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke are two of the best. I, so I also want to see uh, my neighbor Totoro too. I'm super excited yes. to see all that. Uh, so that's one of my goals. Um, anyways, uh, thank you guys for joining us for episode 41 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast, first episode of the new year. Uh, next week's all about the Switch. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, follow us on Twitter at CHROINT to stay updated with all of your latest upload, all of our latest uploads and content. Uh, you can also, you know, follow us at our personal Twitters. I'm at Jared underscore, Dom is at Dom's Oreos, and Jordan is at Mellow Modus. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Uh, please share our content. And, uh... There's one more thing I was going to say. Oh, I made a hype trailer for the game's coming out in 2017, and it's gotten a fair amount of response. I think it's over, like, 700 it's views. Dope. Which is crazy. Um, it's our most viewed piece of content, which is pretty cool. Uh, couldn't put ads on it, obviously, because it's not my music or my footage, so I can't do anything with that. But uh, the people who own that music are kind enough to content claim it, <laughs> so they're making money off of it. Uh, <laughs> so that's pretty much it. Any closing words, guys? I've got my eye on you, Mike Wazowski. God, dumb. That was Monsters, Inc., yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my voice is all messed up. God. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you close with that. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you in episode 42. Thank you, your grace. Bye. <laughs>